Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy joining us via Skype today. And once again, there will be quite a lot of focus on disrupted travel plans, but we are also going to make some space for open line calls. So you're welcome to send through your query on 021-446-0567. If you want to dial in, you can leave a voice note on 072-567-1567 or pop through an SMS to 31567. Wendy, always lovely to have you on the show. Welcome back. Hello, Pippa. Thank you. Let's start with the feedback from last week, shall we? Okay, so we discussed how the city of Cape Town, along with other municipalities, it must be said, um, they use once if you if the property owner owes the municipality for rates or any other municipal uh, debts, they take between thirty percent and ninety percent of that payment on prepaid electricity um, and put it towards. Uh, those debts unilaterally of course Um, and so you know if you if someone puts in 500 rand for electricity they may find they only get 300 rand worth of units or even less because um, the rest has gone to setting off um, allegedly outstanding amounts so you know as I said, between 30 and 90%, and and that depends on the municipal value of their property. Okay, now, Wendy, last week we had the new MACO member for finance on. He was adamant that there is legal provision for these deductions, something that has been disputed uh, by critics. But the one thing he really could not give us a clear answer on last week was the plight of tenants who are affected by this through no fault of their own. We had calls and voice notes streaming in last week from tenants saying, this is mm-hmm happening to me. I've got a prepaid meter. It's my responsibility to buy my own electricity. But when I do so, amounts are being deducted because my landlord is in arrears on his rates. So thanks to this practice, I am effectively paying my landlord's municipal debts for him. (laughs) And as we said last week, it's not right. It certainly isn't fair. Is it legal? Wendy, you promised to run this past our regular legal contributor, Marlon Chevalu, who specializes in the rental property industry. And I know very sadly he couldn't be with us on air today but I gather he's given you some written feedback. Yes, Marlon always comes through for us in some way. Um, And this is what he said. The lease regulates the rights and obligations between a landlord and a tenant. And with regard to legislation, um, well, the the legislation regulating the duties of property owners and the local municipality and supplier of those services is obviously completely separate from that lease lease agreement. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of most leases, of course, tenants are obliged to pay for utilities upon presentation of an invoice from the landlord. Um, Many of them, though, these days have prepaid um, electricity meters, so the, the tenant is you know, left to sort that out on their own. And in terms of most leases, um, landlords are obliged to pay for rates, um, taxes and levies. So where the tenant pays for electricity and that payment reduces the landlord's liability in respect of rates and taxes, and it doesn't um, buy the tenant the uh, the utilities it should have, or the amount of electricity in this case that it should have, then it has the effect that the landlord is unjustifiably enri- being enriched at the tenant's expense. And this means that the tenant should be entitled to reclaim the amount of such allocation from the landlord, which kind of makes sense. And mm-hmm. we sort of went down that road 
last week. But here's the but, says Marlon. In terms of most leases, tenants are obliged to pay monthly in advance without deduction or set-off. This means that while the tenant is in principle entitled to be compensated for the allocation made by the municipality, the city of, of Cape Town in this case, the tenant is not entitled to withhold or reduce rental as this would constitute a breach of the tenant's obligations in terms of the lease, mm. which still seems unfair to me because um, the, tenant, the, the landlord then you know, could get away with um, having his tenants pay his rates for him and, yeah. they'd be, and still expect full rental. So Marlon says the tenant should inform the landlord and the agency if there is one in writing that the allocations have happened and place the landlord on terms to deduct the amount from the rental levied or to credit the amount owing each month and inform the landlord uh, that their failure to pay the rates and taxes as required by law is having the effect that the tenant is being impoverished. The landlord should be informed that if this is not rectified, the tenant reserves the right to institute legal action. So in short, you can't take matters into your own hands in terms of your lease agreement and uh, just deduct um, what the city took from your electricity spend and put it towards your landlord's uh, debts. You, you can't unilaterally do that. I, I, I get the league, that this is the legal way and obviously modern definitely knows what he's talking about in this arena. But um, for those tenants who are in this situation and listening, so uh, this would seem um, understandably very unfair. It is. You know, and that Wendy, the onus is so, yeah, the, the, the onus is on them to, to, to hit their, their landlord with that letter saying, I'm putting you on terms, you need to credit me. Easier said than done. Uh, you know, uh, the relationship with the, the tenant and the landlord can, can be a brittle one sometimes. And imagine being in that position of having to go knocking and say, you know, if you've got a great landlord who maybe wasn't aware that it was happening, that's great. Hopefully their response is, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, here, I'll reimburse you the difference. But we all know not all landlords are going to do that. Yeah, and I dare say that if the property is not um, a very high value one, hasn't got a very high municipal value, the deductions could be small enough um, where the tenant... the yeah, the tenant wouldn't perhaps notice. Know, they just yeah. think, well, you know, electricity's gone up in price, and um, so that must account for the fact that I'm getting less than I used to for my spend. So I think definitely, if you're a, if you're a tenant and you're paying, this is how you're, you know, you you have prepaid electricity. You might want to just um, get some receipts and have a look and just check that um, your there isn't the word arrears on there and mm. that you're not subsidising your landlord. That's good advice, Wendy. Thank you. And then, of course, if you, I mean, you might be able to resolve this all with a cordial conversation and the landlord makes it right. But if that doesn't happen and you are required to send that, lo- that letter, putting, uh, putting them on notice, as it were, Wendy, you've, you, you suggest that people should CC you in. Yeah, openly copy me. Um, I certainly, I would like to, to, to know how many cases there are and the details and the amounts um, that we can help others and sort of pursue this issue um, but also you know it, it won't harm to let uh, the landlord or the agency know that um, this is that this is an issue that I am monitoring closely. Okay thanks for the update Marlon thank you very much for sending us that feedback and uh, sorry you weren't able to be here in person but we do appreciate it and uh, good luck to anybody who is in that position. Okay Wendy we're going to move now into the arena of travel once again and uh, 
Once again, the chaos in the travel industry, thanks to to lockdowns and travel bans and red lists. Uh, a lot of people now scrambling to try and reconstitute their plans for Christmas after yesterday's news that we are off the red list as of yes. four o'clock this morning in the UK. So it's a good time to, to to be talking about this and to alert listeners that there are scams associated with this chaos. As always, uh, trust a thief to spot the business opportunity in the midst of chaos, Wendy. Of course. Yeah, so actually just before the news came in yesterday about the, the travel ban, ban being listed, it was only the, the UK was only expected to review that decision on Monday, so it really wasn't expected yesterday. But anyway, um, I think it was Tuesday that ASATA, the Association of South African Travel Agents, issued a warning about scams during the round rounds as locals change or adapt their travel plans. So many people, um, you know, who are planning to go abroad, um, suddenly looked to, you know, treat themselves to um, a a very nice local holiday. And there's been a lot of movement um, around that. And so Asata wanted to put these warnings out. There were several of them of the, you know, if the price is too good to be true, then be very wary kind of thing. But the one that stood out for me is one that applies um, to travel scams or, or booking travel accommodation or any other do, uh, when, you're, when you're going to be paying for something online. And that is EFT or nothing, if that's what the service provider is saying in terms of payment, that you do an electronic funds transfer or else you know there's no other option. That should be a no-way situation for you. Asata says, if you're pressured into paying via EFT only, this actually means you're paying cash. Safeguard yourself by paying with a credit card so that your purchase is protected and it's protected by means of chargeback, which we often talk about on this show. So the um, uh, credit card companies, Visa, MasterCard, um, via the issuing banks will, if you apply for chargeback, having not got what you paid for, they uh, essentially have a little chat with the uh, merchants in questions bank. Um, it's then established that it's true you didn't, there was no service or goods forthcoming, and then the money gets deposited back into your account. It's very effective, and um, I, I've had reason to mm. use it myself to get money back. So, so you always be suspicious if um, EFT is the only way of paying because what the merchant is doing then is um, safeguarding themselves from from the long arm of, of chargeback reaching yeah. into their account and giving their victims their money back. Um, so, so look, yes. I mean, sometimes chargeback alone is not enough protection. Um, interesting WhatsApp in from Alice, uh, Wendy, who uh, uh, sent this before, the minute she heard that you were talking about travel-related issues. They've had the experience of, of having complications even with a credit card purchase. And, and she's looking for some advice. She says, what can I do to get Travel Start to refund me close to 7,000 Rand, which they took from my husband's credit card? Effectively, they double debited, uh, well, double credited, double charged. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought here. Double charged yes. him for the flights that they'd booked. And um, she says after many promises to refund the money uh, to date, a month later, they still haven't done so. I've sent multiple emails. Another family has done so on my behalf, all to no avail. I have been asked to forward my credit card details again, but I'm feeling very reluctant to do so because it seemed so easy for them to take money twice the last time I shared these details. I'm afraid to do so now. The bank has also told us they can't do anything about it and we need to get Travel Start to refund us. What advice for Alice? Okay, that isn't a classic chargeback situation. 
Um, but certainly double debiting happens from time to time. And when it does, the merchant, the service provider, you know, clearly should do everything they can to um, refund as soon as possible. It, it often is a, a case of fraud so that, you know, the old, oh, I paid twice, please refund. We do have fraudsters who do that. So sometimes it does take a little while for the service provider just to ascertain that it's not a fraudulent um, issue, it's not a case of fraud. But um, certainly this sounds like ample time in Alice's case. Um, I have a vague feeling that Alice might have emailed me on this and I, I was like, I'll take well, this yes. up and didn't in the last week. Yes, so I put I, I face up to not handling that. I have the email, so I'm not going to say email me. As soon as we come off the show or even in the, in the, in the news break, I will forward that to travel start and I'm sure it will be resolved soon. Okay, thanks for that, Alice, and I really hope that Wendy is able to assist. Wendy, I know you've been in regular touch with Travel Start because you've actually been talking to their country manager, John Friel. We had him on a week or two ago uh, talking about uh, processing refunds and cancellations with the current mess. Um, you've engaged with him again since the news about the ban lifting. Yes, funnily enough, it was him who took me off about the ban. It wasn't... Before it was finalized yesterday, mm-hmm. around three o'clock, I thought, let me check in with him and and find out, um, you know, because I was only expecting the decision to be reviewed on Monday. I thought, let me find out what's happening with all the bookings that were so left up in the air, by, you know, the sudden banning, what's going on. Um, and he started off by saying, I'm just, I've just found out that it's possibly being lifted at six o'clock <laughs> our time on Thursday. But he said it's very difficult at this stage, being so close to Christmas, to gauge if people will in fact book or uh, or rebook to travel. Our search data shows that there are many thousands of people still shopping, not buying. However, the level of interest is encouraging. With so much uncertainty, many Travel Start customers opted to cancel their plans and others suspend their ticket for later travel or take a refund if the airline permitted refunds. If history is to be repeated, then these bans when these bans are lifted, people's appetite to travel will prevail. Airlines' ability to react to this will not only depend on South Africa's South Africans booking to leave South Africa, but also traffic coming into South Africa. Airlines have the ability to change aircraft type and add more seats and or increase the flight frequency. Um, there are a number of factors at play here. And, and I, we've seen already, obviously, BA has immediately added more flights okay. um, on the on this leg, um, on the Joburg Cape Town legs to, 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 to London. So... Um, that's that's in hand. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'd be really interested um, to, sorry, before we move on, Wendy, I'd be really interested to hear from any of our listeners who are in uh, tourism-related businesses, whether your phone has been ringing, the bookings have been coming in this morning uh, for your BNB or your Airbnb, for example. Have you seen an immediate reaction to the news that you can come here again without quarantining on return to the UK? I wonder if people are rebooking already. If you'd like to let us know what you've observed in your business, we'd love to have a voice note from you or a WhatsApp to 0725671567. So, Wendy, travel start feeling, sounding relatively optimistic that, that people will start booking again you also talked to flight center what did they say i did so this was um in the hour following uh the hours following uh the lifting of the ban ewan mcneil who's the md of flight center travel group south africa um he gave some uh very good practical advice around where this leaves people um that are already there or about to leave um any travelers currently in quarantine will re- need to remain there. All testing requirements remain in place, such as the COVID-19 PCR test taken 
two days before travel to the UK. Um, a PCR test needs to be pre-booked prior to travel and taken after arrival in England. Um, a passenger locator form needs to be completed within 48 hours of arrival in England. Um, and, you know, you need to self-isolate until you receive your test result. If you're in England for less than two days, you still need to book and pay for a, that uh, a day two COVID-19 test. You must quarantine until you receive a negative test result, result or until you leave England, whichever comes first. And um, importantly, of course, any isolation or quarantine does no longer need to be at a very expensive quarantine hotel or facility. That's the kicker. You can, yeah. uh, that is the big kicker. And obviously to go to the gov.uk website for more details. I don't know about you. I travel on a South African passport and I'm thinking of everything I've handled and investigated in the last little while i don't know that any country requiring me to have a visa is ever going to see me again it's just <laughs> the cost that we're going to get to some visa issues yeah. in a bit but it's 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 just horrendous when things go wrong well, I mean, uh, yeah, Wendy, thanks. That's very helpful. So the, interesting that those who are already in quarantine have to see out their quarantine. But but reading between the lines, I guess maybe would they be able to move home and finish the quarantine at home? Um, uh, it might save a few question, people I some money. Yes, I don't have enough time to interrogate that, but I think so. I okay. think obviously that the period of time must remain the same, but I can't see them um, enforcing that you, uh, you know, you need to, to to see out the last few days. It's interesting though if you've paid in advance, which I oh, would imagine oh, you made to do. I mean, you might just opt to do it. Um, I've seen some tweets you must have as well. People saying, "Oh, you know, my sister, uh, the news came just as she was on her last day oh, of quarantine oh. in the hotel." Yeah, there's so I mean, so many stories um, related to all of this. Um, Okay, but, yeah, now, we, I think a lot of people... Carry yeah, on, sorry. sorry. No, sorry, carry I was just going to say... Gonna uh, say the, oh, dear, the challenges of doing yeah. interviews by Skype. Wendy, you finish your <laughs> sentence first. No, it was just a throwaway comment around, you know, the um, uh, Travel Starts uh, comment about people still have the appetite to travel. It's because so many of us were traveling to see family, mm. I think, Um and loved ones that you know you 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 have many of them haven't seen each other for two years because of the uh, pandemic and so it's not so much just all oh, let's have ourselves a lovely holiday it's we need to connect with our people so yeah. people will jump through all sorts of hurdles to do it but um, at great cost and, and massive inconvenience at the moment, as it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh, I'm thinking of several uh, friends and uh, acquaintances who, who you yeah. know, are, are waiting to meet a grandchild for the first time, for example, who are desperate mm. to get there, whatever mm. it takes to get them there. So, OK, uh, after the break for the news, we will talk about visas. We, we have got some feedback from the British High Commission around the impact on uh, visa applications. This summer. This summer. What's up, Cape Talk on 072. 567-1567 and join the conversation. 
We're back uh, talking consumer affairs with Wendy Nola. Uh, one more travel-related issue to deal with, and then we are going to open the line, so you are welcome to call in on 0214460567. Wendy, Vic asking the million-dollar question on the email. What happens to people who had strict time-limited visas that have now expired or are only valid for part of the rebooked trip? A lot of people are also asking, will visas be extended by the same duration as the travel bans were in place? We've paid for them in good faith and a certain chunk of the visa time was not available to us through no fault of our own. You have got some feedback on this, I believe, from the British High Commission. Yes, I have. Pepin, it's not good, I have to say, up front. Isabel Portgieter, who's the head of communications at the British High Commission, uh, said um, that uh, there will be no extensions on visas and she suggested that people look to claim on their travel insurance policies. I'm not sure, to be honest, um, whether the policies um, do have coverage for this sort of um, situation, and they certainly should. It's something I would look for if I was to travel to a country that I needed to apply for a visa for. Um, Absolutely. So somebody, I'd be grateful if somebody in this situation who has a travel policy could have a quick look at their T's and C's and see whether there is anything covering um, the uh, inability to travel through no fault of your own, um, leading to the expiring of your visa and requiring you to apply and, and of course, pay again. Um, I think it's around 2,100 rand or something in that region for a visa to the UK. So we're talking about a lot of money, especially if it's a family booking. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing she, um, I, I, I asked her, I had um, someone come forward um, this morning um, to say that they had originally, she, her husband and son, husband and son being on a British passport, uh, and uh, she and a South African passport, they were originally due to um, fly to the UK on the 10th of December, and that was obviously cancelled by British Airways. And when the ban was lifted yesterday, they um, rebooked for the 21st of December, Tuesday. Yeah. To, they haven't seen one of those scenarios, haven't seen elderly in-laws for t- since 2019. Um, and the, the, the problem is that she's been told, she was told, last week when the ban was still in place that she applied on the 12th of November and she should have got it in time for that December 10th um, flight which was then cancelled but she got an um, email saying uh, sorry we must point out that we have massive black backlogs because of the ban and we literally we can't tell you when you're going to get your visa so they rebooked anyway but she's facing the real prospect of spending Christmas alone in South Africa while her husband and son are in the UK because the the in-laws are elderly and, you know, they really need to get over and see them. So uh, I shared that scenario with with the commission and Isabel Portgieter on that had this to say, we are asking potential customers to please review the requirements for entering the UK before applying for a visa. UK visas and immigration are experiencing very high volumes of visa applications globally and are working through existing cases and new applications as quickly as possible. We strongly advise customers not to inquire about the status of an existing application unless there is a compelling or compassionate emergency need to travel. Customers who want to travel soon should apply for their visit visa as early as possible. We urge all customers not to make travel plans, including booking flights, until they receive their visa. But you can't apply for the visa without the proof of your flights. So what are you meant to do? Well, 
I thought I was missing something on that, but clearly, um, you know, that is the case. They want to see a confirmation of, of a travel booking. I, I'm not, I haven't applied for a British so, visa in years, but certainly uh, for the Schengen visas, no, no, one uh, of the they, documents you've got to submit yes. is, is your confirmation of your travel and your accommodation on the yes. other side. I, uh, unless it's different from the for the UK. And if it is uh, somebody who's been through the process, please do advise us. But but that, that that's, a, that's a, a loop that goes nowhere, Wendy. It is a loop that goes nowhere. And... Um, you know, you, when you try and make contact, um, should you be desperate, they actually have a system where they charge you per phone call and per email even. <laughs> you know, a couple of pounds with email. I suppose, you know, someone's got to fund it, but you would think that it would be built into that very expensive um, visa, visa fee. fee. Yeah. But, yes, but, uh, you know, visas aren't free. So, uh, I just feel desperate uh for anybody in that situation, and there are many, many people. So, number one, we, we can't tell you when you're going to get your visa. Don't call us. Um, and no, we're not extending your visa. That, in a nutshell, is is where the British High Commission sits. Um, not very um, comforting advice for, for anybody. No, I mean, maybe um, the descriptions, it's, you know, what you've just described is the equivalent of a South African trying to engage with the UIF department. It's 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 an exercise in beating yes. your head against the wall, knowing that you will have made 40 uh, phone calls and still have no resolution of your problem a month later. And, and I mean, it's just, uh, as you said, why, why, what a way to discourage people from ever wanting to visit your, your country. But, of oh, course, no. we all know there are very good reasons why people do, primarily family-based ones. Yeah, well, I've just said to my sister, she's in the States. I've just said, um, <laughs> in fact, she's just cancelled her, her, oh, her flight. She was coming on Monday for Christmas. It's just, she's got such a high-powered job and she can't risk being stuck here for an extra two weeks. She just told me before I came on air, so I'm very bleak about that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And uh, yeah. I know there are many other families in that position right now. We are also sitting with the crossed fingers and chewing fingernails as we wait to see whether all the plans come together for our family. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really, uh, look, I, I, all I can say Wishing is we really feel it uh, with you. We are, we too are affected by uh, the ins and outs and the bans and lifting of bans. And uh, I find that, that that response deeply unsatisfactory, as I'm sure all of you do. But it's so frustrating, Wendy. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do about it. No, you know, as I say, I, I, I draw such huge satisfaction from being able to help people in impossible situations. But in this case, there's absolutely nothing I can do. And it's yeah. really, really frustrating. Okay, let's let's take a deep breath and move away from travel to a couple of other issues that have been raised on the open line uh, with a reminder that you're welcome to call in on 0214460567 or uh, to drop us a voice note on 0725671567. Wendy, um, a few times in the last week or two, we've had listeners asking for an update on the two-minute noodle story and whether it's safe to buy noodles again. Uh, just a reminder that this, of course, followed the death, tra- tragically, of several children Children, um, in two different promises from apparent food poisoning linked to two-minute noodles. Wendy, we still really, we don't have a definitive, yes, we found the source, but we do have an update from the National Consumer Commission as of this past week. Yes, so they worded the statement very carefully to say that they are investigating a company based in the Eastern Cape, which produces a brand of instant noodles called How, H-O-W-E. Many people on social media reacted by saying they'd never heard of them, but they they produce these noodles. The company, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, Grand, Grandisink, Y-N-C, Grandisink, Grandisink, C-C, 
they uh, the the acting uh, national consumer commissioner Tezi Mbuza says based on the information provided to the commission by other regulators and the supplier we have reasonable suspicion to believe that Grandy Sink supplied unsafe goods or goods that posed a potential risk to the public and the interesting part for me is that they're still awaiting laboratory results because of course as we as we discovered many of us for the first time how these things work was with the uh, uh, listeriosis case with the tiger brands enterprise poloni the reason that um the um I've got a completely blank. The, the the wonderful organization does all the testing. Um, uh, the NI yes, uh, disease control. NI anyway, national communication communicable diseases uh, organization. Sorry, brain. Oh, you think of the um, yeah, National Institute for Communicable Diseases (NICD). Communicable diseases. Yes. Thank, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I wrote that so many thousands of times back in the listeriosis days. But anyway, what what um, how they made the link was somebody somehow. Got connect good samples of what the children were, you know, the the bodily excrements, um, w- with the sample of poloni that was in the fridge in the creche, with um, samples of the uh, pathogen that they found in that poloni plant, and there yes. was a match, and that's how they made the link. So there hasn't, as far as I can tell, from what we've what little was in that statement, they're still waiting for lab results. So it's not, it wouldn't be conclusive at this stage. They would have had to make the same link with this yeah. two minute noodle situation. Um, but I think there must have been pressure uh, brought to bear on the commission by the manufacturers of, of the many other noodle brands and especially the big players. Absolutely. Um, this is a widely like, consumed yeah, product. Yeah. Yes, very very widely consumed product across uh, demographics in this country. And um, so, of course, uh, they, um, I'm pretty sure that they all saw a drop in, in, in sales mm. as a result. So we're all being you know, under suspicion by consumers. So here we have a name, and it's very interesting to see what happens when those lab results um, are finally made public, and what happens? You know, say what happens from there. Potentially, the sanction is um, that the Consumer Protection Act allows for the imposition of a so-called administrative fine of 10% of the company's total turnover, or a million rand, whatever is the greater. But there would have yeah. to be very hard evidence for that to happen. Okay, so still not, a, not nowhere near a, a, a sort of a confirmed finding, but at least, uh, as you say, Wendy, it's kind of frees up the other brands for customers to know they haven't been implicated. So uh, uh, I, no. I, I, I would bet my bottom dollar that they were certainly applying pressure as, as you speculate. Um, so. Okay, so for now, the, the one that is under investigation is Howe, spelled H-O-W-E, Howe Instant Noodles. For those who have been worried about it, um, uh, that's the brand that's involved. Okay, um, on to an issue that goes back to the subject of electricity charges, Wendy. Um, an email in from Annette who has recently bought Brought, uh, bought prepaid electricity from the website powertime.co.za and she says I requested an amount of 1500 Rand what was deducted from my credit card was 1552 Rand 50 is Yo. this legal this is their website notice it says Powertime News credit card fees please note when using a card to purchase the bank charges 3.5% card fee however instant EFT and EFT is free of charge when she queried it Powertime referred her 
her um, responded with an, a mail saying, please forward your query to support at paygenius.co.za. Uh, it seems as if they added the surcharge is Annette's query. Um, we've spoken before about credit card fees and uh, we, we've spoken in the context of waiters being made to pay them, for example, Wendy. Does this raise any red flags to you, what Annette's just described there? Okay, so so how it works is this is something that the banks control. And according to the uh, merchants agreement that that merchants uh, such as this would sign with their bank to, to have this payment facility in place, um, they may not pass on their banking fees. So this is obviously what's happening here. We pay our own fees uh, and interest, etc. As, as users of credit cards to our bank, but the the, uh, um, if a company is using making use of a credit card facility to receive payment, the merchants agreements generally, and I don't know of any exceptions, although I have to say the municipalities all do this, they, they, um, the, the merchants agreement precludes them from, from passing on their fees. Um, 3.5 is not on the upper end. Um, some of these retailers who do it, you know, you, you, um, your little shops, you'll get a lot of them that chance it when you produce a card to pay be it credit or debit, they add 5% to the advertised price. And that definitely is not um, illegal. And what the banks do is say, make a note of the the brand of bank, you know, that's on the card machine, mm-hmm. um, slightly different case from, from this, and report it to us because they're the ones that, um, you know, should be sanctioning their, their vendors, their merchants. So... That's the story there. I would have to investigate further, but I do know most definitely that service providers may not pass on their card fees to the customer uh, to their customers. Okay, yeah. so it sounds like there there is good reason for Annette to be querying that one. And um, Annette, thanks. We have got your will, details on I will email, so, further. Uh, to to be continued. Oh, the, oh, here's another terrible example on the SMS line, Wendy. Somebody writes, we booked a package to the Maldives departing on the 18th of December. We have just been informed that travel has been cancelled. The travel agency has refused to refund the cash and will only issue a voucher. But the voucher is only valid until the 31st of October. We can't travel again as a family until December. What recourse do we have? No, that's not Okay. Look, technically, and, and Consumer Goods and Services uh, Ombudsman Mahatim Patlele has said this on many occasions in the last, you know, since the pandemic disrupted everything, that um, if you're going to issue a, a voucher, technically you're entitled to a refund, but, you know, we're all trying to hold hands and be in this together and, you know, we want these companies to survive. So rather, if you can, take a voucher, but the voucher should be valid for three years. That's yeah. according to the Consumer Protection Act. So, and I've, I've seen a lot of um, 12 months, but to make it until the 31st of October, which is 10 months, to specifically preclude next year's festive season is particularly mean. I would really like to see an email about that so that I can challenge the company concerned. Okay, so whoever sent that SMS, please follow it up with an email to consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, consumer 
at nola.co.za. Please put Cape Talk Maldives cancellation in the subject line. Wendy will keep her eye out for it and give us all the details, obviously, of the agency that that's booked through, the dates of departure, the date the booking was made, any reference numbers, that kind of thing. Please put it all into one single email and pop it off to Wendy so she can follow up for you and hopefully, uh, at the very least, get that voucher extended. Uh, Thanks for that, Wendy. Um, Okay, uh, Colleen in Dip Rivers just WhatsApp to say, I buy my electricity via Standard Bank online and they charge me 50 rand each time I buy. Um, uh, I don't know if you're buying in the same denomination every time, Colleen, or what the explanation for that fee is. Wendy, does that sound... It could be an an admin fee. It it could be some kind of admin fee, but what um, I was specifically referring to was um, a card. This is interesting because it's the bank living it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. um, It's very interesting. I suppose if it's in their terms and conditions, I suppose they can because they're acting as the go-between, their platform um, via which you make your payment. So they are entitled to charge a fee. They charge a fee for everything. But – the other scenario was when you've got a merchant, right, and in the middle, and they are they obviously their bank they would be entitled yeah. to take, yeah, they would be entitled to take some kind of admin fee, but not to pass on their their um their bank fees of three point five or five percent or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into this a bit further, but yeah, I do know with prepaid electricity that um there are extra charges um because there's some third parties in the mix making it happen and um, they obviously are entitled to to take a cut, yeah. Okay. The next story is a very un-Christmassy Christmas gift that hasn't arrived. Oh, dear. Um, Okay, the listener involved doesn't want to be named. We'll just call her Sarah for the purposes of this conversation. Sarah wrote to me early this week to say, I have been scammed. I went online to buy a Christmas tree, ordered and paid by EFT, there's the red flag, Wendy, on a site called currybar.com, spelled K-A-R-I. B-double-A. The cost was just over three and a half thousand rand. I was then told the tree was out of stock and that I should wait seven to ten days for a refund. Numerous emails to them backwards and forwards. They're now telling me I have to wait two months for my refund. Please, will you alert Wendy Nola and mention this on your show so that nobody else is caught out by this so-called company. Wendy, have you ever heard of or come across complaints about carrybar.com before? I actually have and I issued I have a little... Um, feature and every Friday in Times Live called uh, Watch Outs of the Week, short little mm. bite-sized news you can use things. And um, in my one of uh, last Friday, I'm just trying to find it as I'm talking, um, I uh, mentioned that. It was one of my little uh, cases. Can't find it at the moment, but there are quite a few people who have written to me about the same thing, exactly the same thing. You order something. Uh, you pay your money and shortly after you get an email saying, sorry, it's out of stock. We'll ref- refund you and the refund never comes. Um, they ask, they're not a complete sort of scam and that some people, you know, do get things often the wrong orders. But if you go onto Hello Peter, um, on any of these uh, review sites, you will see a lot of complaints um, about Caribar. They're also, if you, they have the same supposedly Joburg uh, landline number as Manika, which is one that I think we've mentioned on the show um, as one to watch out for um, in the past. So I would very strongly recommend that um, nobody 
uh, buys things online from either of those two sites. They have a lot of very nice goods uh, at at good prices, but um, that seems to be a very common modus operandi. Immediately out of stock, and we'll refund, and then they don't. The, the refund doesn't happen. Okay, so carrybar.com. What was the other name you mentioned, Wendy? My Nick Carr, I think it's M, also with a funny A on the end, M-A-N-I-C-A-A. Okay, and moneycar.com. Thank you very much for the warning. And Sarah, yeah. uh, look, I'd like to hope that maybe that refund eventually comes, but uh, I'm really sorry you had to, to have that experience. All right, we've got about four minutes left. I think we can squeeze in a quick call from Steve in Weinberg. Steve, good afternoon. Hi, uh, Pippa and Wendy. <clears throat> I um, do home uh, improvements and uh, we're doing a job and... The client wanted a Wendy house in her garden, and we found a, <laughs> um, a crowd on the internet that has a very good website with lots of good references, and he quoted us for a two-by-two size Wendy house, new tech Wendy house, quoted us 10,000 rand, which I thought was excessive, but we went for it. He wanted upfront payment. I said, no, I'll only give you 50%, which I did. They came to erect this shack and it is such inferior quality there's absolutely nothing about it that's good it's skew it's got um, the wrong uh, roof sheeting the door doesn't have a lock on it it's varnish splashed all over things are cut skew everything about it is wrong so i called him and i said sorry i'm not happy Um, and he said okay well then he'll come and take it away i said well you're not taking it away until i get my deposit back so he's not. He said, "No, he'll take it away and he'll try and sell it for me." Oi. I said, "I'm sorry, you're not taking the shack That's not hard without, without without the deposit." And he's now refusing to even speak to me on the phone. I gave him till six o'clock yesterday to allow a conversation that we can arrange a refund, and he said he's he's not prepared to speak to me. So he's already made money on it because the whole shack, the material is probably worth less than a thousand rand. And uh, he's refusing to engage with me. What should Steve do, Wendy? Golly. Okay. Um, remind me how you made contact. Did you see this person online? Was it was it a that was that how yes. you concluded the the sale? Yeah, the no, purchase? We, we searched online for suppliers, and we chose him because of his good reviews and his uh, references and and pictures. And uh, it's just completely not what uh, what we were expecting. Okay, so you did, he came on site and you met him and, and then realized that it was uh, uh, it had all gone south. Well, technically, of course, you have the protection of the Consumer Protection Act and that if something is not fit for purpose within six months of purchase, you have the right to your choice of remedy, which is refund, replacement or repair. And I would imagine you want um, a refund, but I understand that you're not want, willing for him to come and collect the thing, um, you know, a, a, and uh, perhaps not see it or your money ever again. So um, I think it would, if your photographs compared with that, the pictures that you that persuaded you to uh, buy this Wendy house from the chap um, would look vastly different. Um, which would make your case your, your case compellingly. I wouldn't mind having a go if you could give me those two sets of images um, of, of you know raising the case with him. Otherwise, there's the small claims court. Your claim would fall well within its its um, limit of around twenty or twenty one thousand. Um, but certainly, I would say act fast. When did you make the payment? 
I made the payment about um, three weeks ago, and they erected it okay. last week. No, so it's very, very current. Um, yeah, definitely yeah. don't, don't, uh, don't let it ride. I think he's. It sounds like he has every intention of just um, not uh, giving you any recourse at all. So get That's your right. evidence, take your photos, and um, you're welcome to. Um, send that to me and um, I'll do my best to take it up. But start documenting everything very closely um, right now but, if you haven't uh, I have got photos, but I've got the, you know, I've got the, the Wendy house on my client's premises for anybody to come and see. It's just completely inferior okay. quality. Okay. Steve, all of that information in an email, please, to consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Put Cape Talk Wendy House in the subject line. Again, Wendy will keep her eyes open uh, for that one uh, so that she can hopefully pick it up for you. And I really hope, Wendy, that you're able to get uh, the supplier to do the right thing and refund Steve his money and then come and collect the faulty uh, thing and take it away. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not my favorite term in the whole world, as you can imagine, but yes, the little cabin. Let's hope that gets sorted out. Okay. Wendy, we will uh, leave it there. Thanks, as always, for your work on behalf of Cape Talk listeners. And uh, um, I won't be chatting to you again next week. The stand-in presenter will. All the best to you for the festive season, and uh, (laughs) I'll chat to you again in early January. Thanks, Pippa, and may all your travel plans for your family come together. Fingers crossed, Wendy. Let's hope so. Thank you so much. Wendy Nola uh, there, and she will be back with the stand-in presenter next week, Wednesday. I'll be back tomorrow with a show that includes a look at how one man's trash becomes another man's art at a new plastic museum. We'll also find out how coffee grounds are being turned into beauty products in a proudly South African skincare range. On ktalk.co.za On the app On DSTV channel 885 And across the city on 567am Join the conversation This is K 